Reduce, reuse, refashion. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of my podcast, Refashion. First of all, I am very grateful for everyone who already listened to the first episode, shared it on your social media, shared it with your friends, and also thank you for those who personally reached out to me and shared your feedback. That means the world to me. Today, I am very excited to release the second episode of Refashion Podcast. My guest today is Zara, founder of Flair Copenhagen, sustainable silk brand from Denmark. In this episode, we talk about on-demand silk garment production, zero-waste movement, local production, small business life during COVID-19 pandemic, and most importantly, we try to neglect a common bias that sustainability is not applicable for luxurious fashion. Before we start, I would like to make a disclaimer. This episode is a recording of an Instagram live talk that happened during July back in summer this year. The reason why I decided to put it up here is because I believe this talk contains a lot of valuable information which needs to be shared. I guess a better way to do that for a long talk like this either way is to share through a podcast episode. Having said that, you might hear that we are addressing an audience question and we mentioned a new collection which Flair Copenhagen has already launched by now. For simplicity reasons, I only kept a small excerpt from a show around which contained the most valuable audio information for you. However, all the product lines and new releases such as silk jumpsuits, pyjama sets, shirts, beddings and, of course, signature robe can be found on Flair Copenhagen website www.flaircopenhagen.com And, dear Refashion Podcast listeners, Flair Copenhagen has a special gift for you. They're giving you 15% discount for the purchase with the code SILK15. That is one word, capital letters, spelled S-I-L-K-1-5. SILK15. Use your chance to experience all the silk benefits in an environmentally friendly and conscious way and bring some sustainable luxury to your life. Now, without further ado, let's listen to our talk with Zara, founder of Flair Copenhagen. Hi everyone, my name is Zara. I am the founder of uh, a brand called Flair Copenhagen. I'm from Bulgaria and I'm actually currently in Bulgaria at the moment, in Sofia. Uh, however, I've been living around the world for quite some time. I've been living a lot in the U.S. Uh, I actually did my bachelor's there uh, in communication, and then I moved to Denmark, where I did my uh, master's degree uh, in uh, management. Uh, and I've been uh, actually living in Denmark for the past 10 years and absorbing all of that um, 
nice uh, energy and especially because Denmark is one of the pioneers in uh, renewable energy. As we all know, it's, uh, it's uh, one of the biggest and the first uh, industries and countries with um, uh, wind power uh, and, uh, and uh, turbines. So that was a, a small path of leading me towards this sustainable movement as well. And Denmark in, in, in general is a very cautious, uh, cautious country with, uh, within everything. Uh, if we talk about fashion, eating, uh, lifestyle, anything like that. So I have been very, very excited about this movement and that's where it all kind of started in a way. Um, and uh, Flair Copenhagen, uh, well, uh, it's an interesting story. My background is in uh, marketing and branding. And I have worked for large and small companies, startups, uh, big corporations. Um, and I've always wanted to have something of my own. Uh, I've always uh, wanted to create something of my, by myself. And having lived in so many countries and being from Bulgaria, I've always wanted to have that connection. Uh, so I started researching. And of course, I've always also been interested in fashion. Uh, I've also worked for fashion for Copenhagen Fashion Week many years and so on. Um, so from all that, um, I decided to try to start a sustainable brand, uh, which is going, which was produced solely in Europe, uh, which I was going to be very close with the seamstresses in the product production, uh, and which was going to be very, very, uh, in a way tight and, and compact and very direct. So I decided to start about two years ago, Flair Copenhagen. Why it's called Flair Copenhagen? Flair is a word that it's very light, it's very uh, airy, it's very, you know, you, you normally say uh, somebody wears something with flair or with elegance. So, of course, that's part of the DNA of the brand. Copenhagen, because of all I, I explained before, Copenhagen is, is my motive, my huge motive uh, and, uh, throughout this journey. The minimalism, the style, the, the way of life. Um, and um, I found a small uh, factory here in Bulgaria who uh, was okay with producing very small quantities of silk items for me. Because number one problem in this industry is that normally factories, uh, first of all, they want large amounts of units. We're talking two to three to four thousand at least of a, of, a, of a product, number one. So they would never work with you otherwise. Number two, nobody wants to work with silk and especially mulberry silk, the silky smooth uh, silk that, that my items are made from. Why is that? Because silk is very, um, it's a very slippery material to work with. And normally their machines are not adapted to that. And actually it's mostly done by hand. So a lot of uh, factories refuse to work with silk. However, I did find a very small, tiny, tiny factory here. Uh, it's uh, composed of uh, about 10 people, 10, uh, 10, 10 seamstresses who um, decided to, to do this project with me, which I'm very, very thankful. I'm very close with them by now. Uh, and, you know, we work shoulders to shoulder together. Um, and uh, the great thing is that the whole process is very flexible. So we create uh, small units, small, small amount of units, uh, limited edition pieces, 
and our time frame for for um, for finishing the line is about two to three weeks and that's all because it's located here in europe uh, and you know uh, uh, we don't ship from anywhere in asia we don't have these lead times we have direct communication face to face we decide on the designs uh, directly uh, along with my um, my designer friend uh, and partner and everything is you know a, a small family almost business uh, and then the most important part of flair and why it's, it is sustainable is because we only use uh, material from large productions uh, which are uh, normally in Italy we use silk uh, from uh, big high-end productions that is left over uh, sometimes it's uh, from uh, three meters to 30 meters or something like that but normally a whole, whole roll of silk would be some somewhere between three to five hundred meters so whatever is left from those 500 meters we buy uh, and we reuse only that kind of material. Uh, and I believe strongly that this is one of the most sustainable ways to do so, because you're actually using something that's already created and you're putting it in, into a, a, a useful pattern in a way that can be worn. And otherwise this material, if it doesn't get uh, resold to companies like mine, or if it doesn't get used, it's just burned. So, so actually, I believe in this way we're contributing. All right. That sounds like supporting um, a bigger cause, of course, contributing to environmental sustainability and uh, actually utilizing the leftovers, which otherwise would have gone uh, to waste. Um, so how would you define fashion uh, in your own words then? Fashion, it's a broad statement. Um, you know, I, I started this brand with one item. This item is still until today our most trendy and our most timeless item. And it's going to be there forever. It's the silk robe, which is black and it has white, a white color. And that's our, uh, that's our uh, kind of uh, signature uh, look. Why I started that from my personal um, uh, desire, I have I, as a, as a girl, have always been in love with silk robes, pure silk robes, not polyester or, or anything like that. Um, and I've always been looking for, for something like that. Not, it's not something that you really need. It's not like a suit you need to buy for an interview or it's not like shoes you need to buy for the winter, but it's something that you really want to have in your wardrobe and kind of forever. However, that item that I was always looking for has been very expensive. Uh, I mean, if you think of, for example, something like that from La Perla, which is an, a brand that everybody knows, it would be costing something between uh, four to five hundred euro, which is, of course, unaffordable uh, for, for a student or for, for somebody that's just started working uh, and so on. So that's why I decided to create this item, because first of all, we don't have middlemen, so we can control the price to what, you know, whatever we we pay for production and then we put a small percentage on top and we actually sell the item at a much lower price. Um, a lot of companies have that strategy. This has been seen a lot in the past 10 years with watches and sunglasses. Um, we've seen how these products have become, have, have now taken a mid price, which is actually affordable. Um, 
And so this was kind of my idea to, to create this fashion movement. So when you say fashion, for me, it's something that I want to have in my wardrobe for a long time, not throw it away next season. Uh, it should be timeless and it should be from perfect quality. All right. Um, and I think your choice um, of the material, silk, it is timeless elegance and um, durability, um, right? So yes, yes. it is in a way as well selling luxury, right? But then luxury in a sustainable way, as I see correct. it. So That's how, absolutely correct. How would you say these two worlds can, can be linked? Because there is um, a common notion that luxury brands and luxurious elegance is completely different world from uh, fast fashion and mass production, which usually gets the most attention when it comes to sustainable fashion, right? Yes. Um, so uh, how do those worlds meet? Um, how can luxurious world of fashion be sustainable and the other way around? That's another thing, right? Uh, every time we think about a sustainable fashion brand, it's um, huh, how to say, we don't really imagine luxurious products, right? We really imagine something more made from, um, um, I don't know, reusable materials, uh, linen, um, something maybe handcrafted most of the time, I would say. Uh, but people don't really place sustainable, not I'm just talking in general, but sustainability together with luxury. And that's another point of flair, Copenhagen. I want to kind of, you know, show the world that we, you don't have to be, you don't need to avoid the luxury in a brand to be sustainable. And actually that's what we're seeing with most of these big brands. I mean, Stella McCartney is a great example from many, many years already. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gucci, uh, you know, uh, I mean, all these brands, they're trying to be innovative. They're trying to cut the, the, the fashion shows into two seasons. Um, they're trying to, to create a more, uh, some pieces that are much more um, timeless uh, and not so fast fashion. Uh, and I think um, this, is, this is the way to go, actually. All right. But um, also from your social media communication, um, I make an impression that actually you are not trying to sell uh, your cre uh, creations and garments as something purely sustainable, but you try to um, sell and give people an opportunity to actually afford the luxurious uh, style and elegance, right? So your key message is that uh, luxury can be um, everybody's um, routine and it can be incorporated in everyone's daily life, right? So it's not purely silk or sustainability that you are trying to provide, but more of a feeling of how to bring elegance in everyday's life, if that's correct. Or as we like to say, it's silk for all. Uh, Yay. For all. Yes, we actually have internally this kind of uh, motif, you know. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I, I'll say three things about Flair. It's sustainable, number one. That's, of course, our biggest, in a way, priority in the way we work. Uh, and I mentioned because we use um, uh, upcycled material only and we uh, pr produce everything within Europe. Uh, so we don't use the, you know, sh shipping uh, from Asia or anything like that. And we produce our own models. Number two, timeless. So when 
the things we produce, there's something you put, you put in your wardrobe and it's going to be there for the next 10, 20, 30 years even. I mean, currently I'm actually wearing um, one of our silk shirts, which is quite new uh, in, in the design. We have, uh, the, the designer and I have looked into all the trends from the 90s, from the 80s, from the 70s for silk shirts and created this piece, which seems to be super, super, super popular right now with us. Everybody wants this uh, silk shirt. It has the, the regular sleeve. It has the a little bit wider men's fit. We also base our models a lot on uh, on uh, unisex. It has the big color, which is actually like the, the thing that makes it different. And it has the best silk material. So this shirt, I'm sure it's not going to run out of trend next year or the, the year after that. It could be in your wardrobe forever. The, the robe, same thing. It's based on a men's robe. It's a very simple, minimal robe. The only thing that can can go out of the trend is the color, but that's it. The model itself, it's going to be timeless. And then the third thing is the fair price. So we don't have any middlemen. Uh, we produce everything ourselves. The material we buy as well, the silk we buy, actually that's what makes it cheaper because the silk we buy, since it's small pieces, we get it at a much lower price, which is nothing we're hiding. It's actually something we want to communicate. Um, and that's why we can actually afford to sell the items at a much lower price because the biggest investment is, ac is actually the material. Silk varies sometimes uh, from 60 to 120 euro per meter. So you can imagine for a robe, we use about three meters for a long robe. So that wouldn't add up if we didn't get this, this better price. And I remember when we first talked in November last year, uh, I remember you just, you were just starting off, right? Uh, you just had a few um, eye masks and uh, scrunchies, uh, I believe. And now, um, in addition to your signature robe, you have shirts, you have dresses, you have many more products uh, coming up. Um, so how was your journey uh, through those uh, months since we last talked on what are the design challenges you face primarily because you are using the um, left leftover stock materials um, and how easy is it to scale up and provide um, um, with the products that people um, really like let's say the shirt is trending now how can you make sure that you have enough of of those okay so that's really a challenge for us actually uh, as as the, the, the silk is a, a great thing that we're working with, it's also a big challenge because as I mentioned, we use uh, what we find. So sometimes I have friends coming to me and saying, oh, I love this, uh, this uh, robe or this shirt, but can you please make it in uh, purple for me? And I say, well, I would love to, but it's impossible because it really depends on what kind of silk we find. So really we only, only, only work with whatever is left over and where whatever we find and of course this material sometimes is gone so therefore we have limited additions sometimes we produce uh, 10 pieces of something sometimes we produce five and that's it it's never coming back again um, of course black and white is always there but 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 that's about it um, so yes it's a challenge we have decided uh, along the way to also because of sustainable reasons to produce limited amounts of uh, of uh, stock because we don't want to produce 
a bulk of stock that will never sell. That's also not going to be very sustainable, as you can imagine. So what we have now introduced, and uh, you probably will mention it later, is that we work a lot with pre-order. Because of this short lead time that we have, which is two to three weeks, we are actually able to provide um, to provide uh, um, uh, you know just the pre-order status. So we don't have to create things uh, in different sizes, and you know it's only when you order. So that's a, I think that's a really big winning point for us, uh, having the produ production in Europe. Uh, it, it gives us a lot of flexibility. And, and also, you know, it is custom made at the end. It is made, hand, handmade. So it is, it, it's a special item. I mean, if you, for example, have a, a larger upper area and, and find size hard to, uh, hard to find size, you can definitely tell it then and we'll adjust the size, especially for you. So it is kind of like custom making. And you see a lot of interest from people uh, for custom uh, made items, or do they usually go for um, something which is already produced because otherwise they just don't have the vision. How will the product look like? So we always have the, we always have whatever is on the website. We always have something that's already produced. That's the things, those are the things we sell that you can order. However, we always make the first items. We can just adjust the size for you and then send it to you, but the, you cannot change the model. That's, that's how it is. And the reason why this is, is because with the designer, we create the model together. We have several samples where we make corrections. And that takes a lengthy process. So to create uh, from scratch, let's say this shirt, it will take about uh, one to two months time just to create the, the pattern. Uh, and then, you know, we can create everything else. All right. And uh, in our conversation, you already mentioned uh, quite a few times about the local production. And you mentioned that it gives you flexibility and um, faster production and uh, therefore faster delivery. Uh, but why is it important? Uh, why is it um, not sustainable maybe to have uh, suppliers in Asia and ship for long distances? Just two reasons, two reasons. I can tell you I, for sure there, there is a way. I mean, Asia is so advanced right now. China's production is so advanced right now that literally I'm sure they are also working on that. But number one, uh, shipping. Shipping is a huge problem uh, uh, in terms of waste, uh, for in, uh, environmental waste, number one. Uh, number two, logistics. It takes quite a lot of time. So back and forth, communication, time. Um, the items that you might want might not reach the expectations you have. So therefore you have to make corrections and that's back and forth and really long lead times in a way. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I think that, that the, the most important thing for me as well is equal pay. So the seamstresses we work with here get a, a really good, I would say European equal pay compared to maybe somebody that, you know, uh, works in a big, large, uh, uh, factory in China, which I have no connection to, and I cannot tell. So. We know how we're paying and who we're paying, and we know that we're fair in that in that in that in, in that system, and we're cautious about that. I think it's a very important statement, which usually gets overlooked, 
So it's great to hear that you have a very close connection with the people at the production and you basically almost know them in person and you can account oh, yeah. for what you are suggesting actually. Yeah, in fact, I was just getting a call from one of the seamstresses because we're discussing a new model. So yeah, I just uh, <laughs> rejected it. But yes, yes, we are. And and it is it's a it's a it's a constant it's a constant uh, back and forth. I don't think you can create a whole collection uh, uh, within a month's time without having already uh, you know prepared models like most of companies do. We know uh, in China that you know you just put your label on that and that's yours. We don't do anything like that. And I'm, I'm against that, to be honest. All right. Another huge trend um, having, um, have, which has been very popular for the last decade, uh, at least, uh, is zero waste, right? And also just to touch upon the uh, question by uh, Gabriela. Um, so zero waste, um, is it at all attainable? Um, is it a solution or is it just basically trying to make it better what is a little wrong in the first place just share your ideas about that and uh zero waste is absolutely unattainable at this moment in time i have to unfortunately say that i have been to um uh, this year i went to web summit in lisbon um and heard a lot of these big uh, um, corporations and for example h&m talk about sustainability Yes, they are, they are taking a lot of actions right now, uh, the, the, the fast fashion companies, uh, but there are a lot, a lot of others who you know, uh, don't care about this issue right now. So in terms of fast fashion and cheap items where you can buy literally, uh, you know, sometimes even a silk shirt from H&M for like uh, 15 euro uh, instead of them burning it, um, I think we're very, very, very far away from this. However, uh, having said that, and I wanted to get back to Gabriela's uh, question, which is if buying leftover becomes a trend, will it still be sustainable? Um, I think it has become a trend already. I think a lot of companies are doing that. Um, I'll name a few a little bit later, a few examples. A lot of companies are doing that. Um, however, there's always gonna be leftovers from from large productions and from small productions, there are also leftovers. And what we do in terms of leftovers is whenever there's a pattern, the pattern is set on this on the on the 1.4 meter, um, let's say, silk uh, fabric. And when you cut the pattern around, just this is a very simple example, uh, you always have leftovers from that fabric. And what we do with this leftovers fabric, we also utilize it and we create something like this crunchy or silk masks, which are very small items that we also use. So we are actually aiming for zero waste within the, 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 what we, we provide. But there are always gonna be uh, waste from, uh, from large productions. Um, the alternative, of course, is to create sustainable fabrics, sustainable silk, uh, where, you know, I mentioned Sel McCartney, she's, she's currently, they're actually uh, doing a whole project from uh, small spiders webs to create uh, a new, new, new silk uh, trend. But I think that's, that's also a process and that's also a production which takes a lot of time and resources. So I think this is the best way to go at this moment. All right, yeah, I can, definitely see um, that it is 
um, a great contribution to the system that we have right now. Um, and then talking about uh, future change, what do you think should be the change leaders? Should it be, as you name Stella McCartney, luxurious brands, or should it be small sustainable brands? Should it be consumers or the governments? It's an ongoing debate and it's hard to find the right answer. So what is your opinion on that? My opinion is everybody. I think now we realize how much waste there is of, uh, of uh, produced clothing in the world every day. Uh, it's a huge problem. I mean, huge problem. Landfields and landfields of just clothes that nobody has a use from. Um, so I think it starts from us as a, cons as a consumer, um, for sure. I mean, for me, it's very important to know where my, uh, where clothing that I buy originates from. Uh, and then number two, governments, of course, they need to have more tight regulations, um, for sure. That's my opinion. And then, of course, the major brands. They are the, the, they are the trendsetters. They are the leaders. So, of course, people will follow what they, they, they propose. So uh, I think a lot of them are now currently already in this trend um, uh, and in this movement. But, but uh, there, there needs to be more. I can agree to you. I think uh, we can see uh, huge um, improvements and uh, new um, collections being released and new actions being taken. Um, and I could only compliment to your uh, opinion that everyone needs um, to care about that and consumers need to demand for it so that companies would actually be interested to produce items and small uh, companies have an advantage of actually making it more transparent and um, providing a better story uh, about uh, the products and making it a bit more custom and personalized to um, consumers. So what would you say um, is the main difference between, uh, let's say, Danish consumers as uh, their Copenhagen originates from here um, versus global trends? Uh, is there any difference in designs or colors or anything else? Oh, yeah. Well, so starting from my background from the US, which I mentioned uh, the first minutes of the conversation, uh, you know, US is an interesting market because uh, consumerism there is very, very high. So people buy things just to buy them. They don't need them, but they buy them. Uh, I think this has changed in the past. Then I came to Europe and I started living in Denmark and saw how really modest buyers Danes are. In a, in a sense, they, they prefer to spend for quality uh, rather than quantity. Uh, they live a minimal lifestyle. They, uh, they want to have a minimal interior. Everything is very well organized in that sense in their life. So, um, so that's also something that has, uh, that is, uh, within the DNA of the, of the Flair Copenhagen brand. Uh, we use minimal colors. We don't use patterns. Uh, we use uh, subtle colors and especially black and white beige. Uh, champagne. Um, in fact, I'll show you a little bit of the new collection just in a few minutes time. Uh, just a sneak peek preview of it. So, uh, so yes, colors, very, very subtle colors, normally only one color, uh, nothing too bright, nothing too exotic, uh, something you can wear every day and every season, basically. 
And you would say that this is um, what then works uh, across the globe or um, just very subtle colors uh, work best in Scandinavian market? I think it's uh, Scandinavia has become a trend around the rest of the world. I mean, it's a huge trend within uh, Asia at the moment. It's a, it's a trend also within the US. Uh, I think uh, uh, keeping it simple has always been the trend. It's, not, it's nothing new, but it's just that the world is now realizing how convenient that is. It's very convenient to have the basics in your wardrobe because then you know you can always just pick something quickly and, 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 and be elegant. Uh, you, what, what do you need? You need a nice white shirt, a nice pair of jeans, and a couple of beautiful uh, shoes, and you're always going to be trendy. So. So in that sense, the world is realizing that. So I think that, that it's a it's a huge trend right now. Scandinavian. And that's 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 already a, a trend. So you you would suggest us just to believe in time and that maybe that will change American consumerism, which is driving the global economy and yes, yes, definitely. I think I think Americans now are much more cautious about their fashion and spending and, and, and also consumerism in general. Uh, it's not, not all Americans that are of course like that, but it is, I mean, there's a lot to learn from Europe. Let's just say that. And a lot in, in Europe, a lot to learn from Scandinavia. All right. Yes, for sure. Um, and uh, talking from a startup, uh, sustainable startup perspective, um, what is it like to be a sustainable brand? Um, there's also a huge buzz about different certificates that companies need to adhere to. What makes um, a sustainable startup stand out and, and um, confirm their credibility? So, if, you know, we, we've always been from the very beginning, very transparent about our, uh, our production process, where we buy the materials, our price point. I think that's uh, something consumers realize and and uh, really know when they look into small brands like ours i mean nobody really knows our brand yet we're pretty new but but if you do have an interest and if you see our story in in our you know uh, our brief story and what we are talking about i think transparency is something really important where that um, gains people's trust uh, so, uh, so that's, that's definitely one point. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's transparency is, is number one and key. And it's, um, relatively easier, um, as for a startup to be transparent because, um, at this very moment, you still have a quite a small team, I suppose. Yes. We're currently three. Okay. <laughs> and, um, located in Copenhagen or, um, in different parts uh, of Europe? So uh, two in Copenhagen uh, and then uh, one here, meaning Bulgaria. Okay, okay, I see. Um, so talking about um, a startup, a small business, um, how was this last period, last six months um, to you when we the world has experienced the COVID-19 pandemic? We cannot escape this question, um, I guess, and it's yes. valuable to touch upon it. So how has it been, how has life been before? Uh, how has it changed your course of actions and what um, are the future plans? So, 
um, it's for us, uh, I cannot really say that it hit us uh, and, uh, negatively because we are an online brand. Uh, we sell online. So uh, online was, you know, it's always going to be online. So that wasn't a problem. Uh, of course, our factory had to close down because um, and, and start producing masks. Uh, so, um, so in that sense, we, our production was pushed, uh, in time. However, we did have a lot of time to think about new models and, uh, new pieces and so on. So we used that time wisely, let's say. Um, and, uh, finally, I think it also gave us the perspective of, uh, pre-order. Uh, it's something we decided within, during this, uh, COVID crisis, because, um, I mean, it's the best way to do it and it's the most safe, sustainable sustainable way to go so uh, actually i think it was uh, not too negative for us all right i can see that you used the time wisely and um, you mentioned briefly that there is um, a new collection coming up um, so maybe we could have a sneak peek into that yes something which i'm super excited about is this uh, this silk pillowcase um, oh. So when I said that sometimes there's like very little material left from uh, these beautiful fabrics, uh, sometimes it's really pieces of one to two meters. Those pieces unfortunately cannot be utilized for much besides, I mean, even for a shirt, a shirt takes normally two meters of material. So what we utilize them for is actually these beautiful silk pillowcases, which now we all know it's a trend and it's super, super uh, healthy for your skin and for your hair and for everything and it's just hypoallergenic and it's it's you know it's it's just beautiful to sleep on so this is something we just launched actually and uh, it should be on the website already since as of today wow. so uh, take a look we have them in black and blue thanks a lot for showing the new collection it's, the pieces look amazing and i'm very excited to see them um, in real life soon um, you recently launched another initiative that you are in search for ambassadors. Yes, yes. We are currently already talking to a few. Uh, actually, we've had quite a, quite a few applicants. Uh, the reason being is that as a small brand, we want to definitely kind of spread the word out. I mean, organically is the best way for us. Uh, we have had some collaboration with really big uh, influencers. Uh, but we have realized, and that's actually something for everybody to, 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 for small companies probably to know, is that a one-time big influencer doesn't do you a great uh, amount of uh, traction in a way. Um, and that's why we decided to do a more um, uh, long-term relationship. So we decided to actually look for ambassadors who are going to be with us for a while, who are going to get to know the brand DNA, who are going to actually start loving the brand. So, so to promote something, you need to actually know it and love it and know about it. So uh, we decided to go about that way. And uh, we have been uh, contacted by uh, influencers who have followers and some who are you know, just fans of the sustainability movement. Uh, and that's uh, what we're gonna do. And you're gonna very soon hear from them uh, in their communities as well. That's very exciting. Yes, it's a huge support for a small business and especially when you are doing um, something truthful for the environment um, that the, the, the message uh, that you spread out would also be spread in, in a very um, um, sustainable way, uh, which organic, 
Absolutely. Everything is organic from top to bottom. <laughs> That's amazing. Our talk is uh, coming to an end, but I still have um, a few things I would like to ask. And this is um, uh, five st uh, statements yeah. that I have prepared and um, I will read them one by one and you just uh, need to um, uh, finish um, with your own ideas. Okay. All right, so let's uh, get started. So the first is, to me, sustainability is? Uh, wearing something you know the origin from. All right, uh, one thing I would like to see more of in the world. Uh, more fashion uh, conscious brands. That's a really good answer. <laughs> a third one. For a complete beginning in the sustainability area, I would suggest to start off with... Mm, I think we should educate ourselves on how uh, much impact uh, fabric waste uh, has on the world. Uh, so definitely start reading about that and you know don't buy just anything because it's cheap buy it because you need it that's a really good advice <laughs> um every sustainable business is or should or absolutely should be absolutely transparent from the beginning to the end all right and the last one in two to three years i see flair copenhagen Hmm. I see Flair Copenhagen across countries, uh, different countries uh, as a trendsetter in the sustainable fashion world. Super good. And I, I wish that will come true and uh, maybe even exceed your expectations. I um, hope so. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to add? Maybe there's something we didn't cover through the conversation. I think we pretty much covered everything. Just uh, follow us and, uh, and we hope we don't disappoint. I hope our talk with Zara, founder of Flair Copenhagen, was interesting and inspiring for you. I would like to believe that you learned more about sustainable and circular fashion, in particular in regards to silk production from this very episode. As mentioned in the first podcast episode, Eliminating waste from production and consumption cycles is crucial to reach circular fashion system. Therefore, production from leftover materials during the transition phase is bringing us closer to the circular fashion landscape. So if you learned something valuable from our talk with Flair Copenhagen on how they are contributing to circular fashion and zero waste movement, please share your insights through Instagram, and tag my conscious living spelled my conscious underscore living and use hashtag refashion podcast that is one word refashion podcast don't forget to use a promotion code mentioned in the beginning so that you could also experience the sustainable luxury that we talked about in this episode yourself if you're curious of what's coming up next please subscribe to my podcast here to never miss a new episode. Share it with your friends on social media. 
follow me on Instagram at myconscious__living. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next Refashion Podcast episode. Take care. Mm-hmm.